Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. show we've got a special after show for you today it is all Hayao Miyazaki's the boy and the heron themed we might get to a little bit of talking here at the off the Your top. headline is brutal Lindsay I just yeah. read it now I, I have no apologies okay the, for I'm those so, of you watching I'm so live, I'm so James upset. is really upset all right so is the boy and the heron Miyazaki's worst film I'm ready to be you know I'm ready to be thrashed all right I have str- I don't like this movie I did not know that was I the didn't, headline. Nope, nope. I sent you guys a link. I was like, don't get mad at me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've been, I've been stewing for like five hours. Like, oh, Yeah, James has been stewing on it because he knew this is what I titled the video. Okay, so um, before we get before we get right into it, right into it, um, and our my hot takes, our hot takes on this movie, um, The Boy and the Heron, this is Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli's most recent film it's currently playing in theaters so if you have not seen it um you may want to come back to this video later after you go see it because it is still in theaters right now it's an imax for a little bit longer um the english be, dub is excellent the so english dub is very good um the subtitle version is also very good so you know if you don't want spoilers you are in the wrong place come back next time we're now if you boil the hell out of this we're movie. gonna spoil the hell out of this movie i mean they kept it under wraps when it opened in Japan earlier. They had no promo materials whatsoever. It was purely, you know, based on Studio Ghibli Hayao Miyazaki's name. G Kids has brought it over to North America, and it's going to be opening in other territories here pretty soon, um, including the UK uh, towards the end of the month. But um, G Kids, they've been a little more forthcoming. We did get actual trailers for this film before it opened in theaters here, and uh, they've also been <laughs> handing out. Um, or promoting videos on their social media. When I went and saw this at Japan Society in New York, I actually got a little pamphlet that included information about what the movie's about. So just to let you know, this isn't a take based on, I didn't get it, what's the point? I know what the movie's about, I still just don't like it very much, okay? <laughs> so um, that's what we'll be getting into. Jackie went and saw it today. Uh, James let me know that it is a contender for one of his favorite films. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to fight love it so much. We're going to fight James and I don't usually fight. I was really shocked actually, because our, our tastes are genuinely generally in, in alignment. Um, but this is the film that has divided us. So, this and Wonka, apparently. Even I mean, we haven't even seen Wonka. That's just, I'm telling you, I stuck, I stuck my claim weeks ago. I'm I just want to say that before, before we even got in here, I knew he was going to bring up Wonka. I was yes. prepared in case James went, you can't trust Lindsay's opinion because she said Wonka was going to be. I back. never said that. I'm just saying that. No, I was just expecting you to say it at some point oh. today. To, to I was. I, I haven't seen Wonka either. I guess technically there is some uh, minute possibility that it could end up not being good. But I don't know. The, the tomato meter is uh, backing me up on this one. So, What's And that's never been meter? wrong. So. Uh, it's, like 80, it's like 87%. For Wonka? Mm-hmm. I'm impressed by that. Isn't that surprising, Jackie? Didn't you not expect the colorful CG Timothy Chalamet Wonka movie to. I mean, I thought. Director of Paddington, too. <clears throat> I was never a Wonka girl. We watched it when I was a kid. And oh, it yeah. Scared the sh- oh, 
Oh yeah, yeah. That movie yeah, did it freak me out. The tunnel scene is traumatizing for a particular <laughs> generation. That's all I got to say, right? The kids turning into stuff. It was like the boy getting like stuck, and the in the in the I don't even forget. It was like a chocolate sewer, and then yeah. the yeah. turning into a blueberry, and then yeah. the kid getting like I was like. Are they gonna turn back? I remember as a kid, I was like, very, I told my, I was like very concerned. I like was asking my parents, I'm like, are they gonna turn back? My work like, is so no. It would have been so funny if that movie ended. It's like, no, I killed those kids. They're dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> they were bad kids. They were bad kids. In the movie, they, they came back, right? They in do the like at the yeah, very but... end, but it's left ambiguous up until they come back that in maybe the book, they're they dead. don't, right? No, they do. In the book, it's like um, Augustus is like all stretched out. Um, oh, okay. Well, they're not really buried. back, James. But they're not. They're, they go home. Like they're, Mikey they're, they're TV got put there. inside the TV, and Monk yeah. was like, no. I think the wait, parents are like parting uh, a TV out, and Mike's just like living in the TV now. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, and know. then the girl's blue in the face. I think they deflated her, but her face was still blue. Yeah. Like, I yeah. was like, all right, roll doll books, like, the witches and stuff like i remember i don't know why i read those as a kid it was just like torturing myself apparently but anyway roll doll's books are pretty great roll doll not so much but yeah yeah we won't get into that right now uh, yeah next right. topic so, so um before before we start breaking down all the ways that the boy and the heron is not a good movie uh, we will yeah, first. One of, uh, Miyazaki's best <laughs> we will. Uh, I did want to uh, give Jackie the floor for a minute because she's been reviewing yeah. Kingdoms of Ruin. Oh my which, gosh! Okay. Before another we... masterpiece is another that what we're going with this? So, Kingdoms of Ruin. Um, we watched this trailer during the trailer watch party, which FYI, that is the winter version of that. It's coming at the end of this month. It'll be after Christmas, before New Year's. Most likely that Friday, which I believe is the 29th or the 28th, 5 p.m. Uh, Jeff Thieu will be there again. We'll be watching all the all the winter trailers for 2024. So look forward to that after you're done opening your presents. Bringing but in the new year. The only way we know how. So Kingdoms of Ruin, we watched the trailer. It looked like, you know, kind of like, uh, not like just a lot of tortury kind of over-the-top it looked like an over-the-top revenge anime which we've been getting you know a, a considerable number of that i watched the first episode and thought you know the female characters seemed all right and the animation looked okay jackie gave the most recent episode a zero and i would like to know why um honestly it was out of hatred <laughs> Hatred. <laughs> like i don't even think this was the worst episode it was just like i was at my wits end mm -hmm. um i literally was just over it can i read you guys my review because they're like super short right sure. I, i'll read the like first like basically lines uh the kingdoms of ruin is horrifically bad as if the stiff rigid lifeless animation wasn't bad enough the writing is excruciatingly cliche and predictable it's a plot filled with holes and meaningless characters i feel very little attachment to adonis he's a blood hungry revenge concentrated brat that can't see past himself the only likable character is Daroka, and she's relegated to the damsel in distress role, which she could be so much more. And then I talk about how she can be so much more, but that's just me kind of like going off. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, um, some of it's straight asinine too. The pop idol concert with Dorothea, who's the villain, they like turn into a pop idol for who knows what reason. I said the boob town with the sex robots. I could go on, but I don't want to. Okay. The story is immature and repulsive. I cannot wait for this to end, and I can stop reviewing it. 
I'm giving this episode a zero rating. I wish I could give it a minus bajillion rating. That's literally what I submitted to Lindsay. Mine, with in my defense, the the Daroka analysis is, I think, a lot better. But I yeah. literally was just fucking sick of it. The show is terrible, and I'm like. I mean, I guess that's just the way the industry is. There's just some some anime that gets through the cracks, but yeah, yeah. So nobody watched it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, James is probably reviewed worse than no, no. I'm, I'm saying I, I I empathize with you completely. I have seen many shows that devolve into this sludge. Of- yeah, I was gonna say to Jackie. At least you know, once you have gotten your one horrible terrible no good anime show as part of the reviewer experience i almost always give you the person a like, nicer one a nicer yeah. one next time because yeah. i don't want anyone to burn out on crap so well the last one i did was the last boss heretical it was so long what was it it was like heretical last boss i can't remember yeah exactly. yeah but um that one was cute like the yeah. animation was not great but yeah, it was yeah. like the story was at least adorable and it made me feel good. It's like watching this is just like, I'm cringing the whole time. It's brutal. It's disgustingly brutal. And it's like, just so over the top. I, I was reading other reviews and like, cause I was like, am I the only one who thinks yeah. this is like it, terrible? And it was like, by the way, I mean, I know Tyler listens to this, but like Crunchyroll's rating system is very strange because <laughs> it shows kingdoms of ruin at like a four point, something which shocked me because like ours is at a 3.5 and i thought i was being generous that's why you yeah. get a zero well, if, you, if you ever read the comment section of any crunchyroll video you'll understand why the ratings are so high because most of the people that are commenting and leaving ratings are just all about it regardless was, of what it is well, james the opposite everybody was like dumping on it so i was like well why is the number in the crunchy roll comments no dead they were like this is was written by a an edgy 14 year old was what somebody wrote and i literally was like that nailed it you know but it was like yeah so i was confused because all of the ratings were one star if not like zero and they were bashing so then i was like i don't know but like you said james maybe there's a ton of people who love it um, or you know, maybe just happen. leave it. Can you leave a star rating without commenting? Because well, I was wondering. Be- there are some rating systems where your comment appears higher up if you give a higher star rating. So hmm. it, it's also possible. I don't know if Crunchyroll's works that way, but possibly people, people are hurt. giving it four stars so that their comments about how awful it is are at the very top when you scroll hmm. under the video. Oh, that got it. Potentially. Yeah. Anyway, maybe. nobody watch it. It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> Not good. Well, now that we've had that appetizer of badness, it's time to talk about the boy and the heron. Now, before like we kind of break into you know our pluses, our minuses, what we liked, what we didn't like, or you know why we feel the way we do about it, um, I'll give like a very bare bones as much as I can um, plot synopsis for this movie because some people don't even know this much about it, especially if you've stayed away from trailers and whatnot. Again, this is also your final warning. We're now going into Boy and the Heron spoilers. So this is like your last call. If you stay here, I'm not responsible for you being spoiled or sad about that. And if, you know, you can yell at me in the comments, but you did, you I, I did will this say yourself. This movie, oper- this is probably one of the least spoilable Miyazaki movies in that I do not think knowing what happens in the plot is really going to affect your enjoyment of it at all. Mm-hmm. Um it's not really a plot movie. So. Yeah. Yeah. It is very, um, 
metaphoric in a lot of sense. Um, so there's there's like the narrative, which I'm going to describe, and then there's what it all means, which is usually like my favorite part of talking about movies. It's rare that that's not enough to just like whet my appetite and make me enjoy something. But okay, so The Boy and the Heron, um, Hayao Miyazaki's latest film, possibly his last film, although he doesn't he hasn't really said he's never making another movie after this. We're just looking at we just don't know if he'll finish a movie. We're that looking man, at statistics when we say this is his That man is going to die at his desk. I He's 82 you. years old. All right. He's, so he will be working on key art the minute his heart gives out. Like, that yeah. is how it's going to go. Yeah. So, all right. Um, in his, this is supposed to be a more personal film for Miyazaki. If you um, look at any of the promotional materials or there's a recent interview with the Japan Times with um, Suzuki, producer Suzuki. Um, he, he will tell you that this is more of a personal film for Miyazaki, where the main character, Mahito, who is 12, I believe, um, he's like so. just on the cusp of adolescence. Um, and this is in the final days of World War II. Okay. So there he's living in Tokyo. He has a father and a mother. He has no siblings. So it's just the three of them. Um, the Tokyo firebombing happens, which also is a major point of the Grave of fireflies um and during the firebombing the hospital that his mother works at is burned to the ground and she is killed in that fire um there is an internal sort of amount of time passing between that and when the rest of the movie starts um mahiro's dad has married his his dead wife's uh, younger sister so he marries mahiro's aunt and she is currently pregnant with mahiro's um, sibling slash cousin slash sibling. Um, and they are moving out into the countryside in a more rural area where there's sort of this big family estate that belonged to, you know, the, the mother's side and they're moving in there. His father works in parts manufacturing for fighter jets. Specifically, they make the uh, cockpit covers so that's sort of a reoccurring thing there. Mahito is this quiet kid. He doesn't talk much. He seems just generally a little tense about everything that's going on, understandably. Um, moves into this new house. Uh, there's a bunch of elderly ladies living there who kind of just shuffle around. And they're, you know, interesting people. They've got kind of a magical seven dwarves feel going on with them. Um, and he settles in there. He goes to school. The kids immediately start bullying him for being kind of a prissy looking city boy because he's supposed to be very like almost effeminate looking in the face at this point. He resembles his mother. Um, they bully him. He actually gets in a fight and everything. And then he has an outburst later where he takes a rock and hits himself in the head with it and goes home. He lies about how he got injured. Um, but that gets him out of school basically. Um, his his stepmother, his aunts, I don't really know the best way to refer to her. Her pregnancy starts moving on and she's feeling ill quite a lot. And on the property, he also notices uh, sort of this dilapidated, fantastical looking sort of tower building. You can't go, you can't really go in it. It's been closed off. And there's a heron that is torturing well not torturing but it is harassing him. him it is yeah. pestering him it follows him around it pokes in his window he hears it talk to him um like mimicking his mother and things like that so he's just it has really, teeth it has unsettling. teeth 
which is it's weird. gross it's, it's creepy gr- yeah it's gross and creepy looking and he uh he even goes so far as trying to craft out of um bow and arrow to attack it <laughs> get it to leave him alone anyway Ant's pregnancy uh progresses and then she disappears into the woods which is where this tower is mojito thinking that um you know this is kind of his second shot to save his mom his new mom he follows after her the heron shows up it talks to him and then he begins a magical journey through the land of death to try and get his um aunt slash stepmother back um and return home and he goes through it it is worth noting that the heron also tells him that in the world of the tower, his mother is alive and he can be reunited with her. Right. And he does end up finding her through his attempt to, to retrieve his stepmother, but she's um, closer to his age and she's going by a different name and she has fire powers. And one of the old ladies also ends up going with him, but she gets turned into kind of a wooden doll at one point. So she's more like a talisman for him for, for some of it. Um, and then he, as he moves kind of deeper into navigating, he comes into a town full of parakeets. I have skimmed over like a lot of parts in between here, but he comes into a world of full of parakeets that talk. They have a whole society and everything. And his grand uncle is in there who is supposed to be this really well-learned guy who read too many books and went nuts and has been living in there, um, maintaining a, the source of like magic power, which happens to be like a meteorite. And they have like a talk and then he goes back home with his, his stepmother and says goodbye to his mom and all of that. And uh, the war ends and then they go back to Tokyo. I have skipped over some of the like big land areas they go to and some of the more like nuanced little things that happen. The cute little mascot character that appears in the, that, you know, eat fish guts or whatever that appear. Um, that's that's the rough overview of that. The, it, yeah, the plot. yeah, yeah. So I think he did a good job. Yeah. One of my big critiques was that um, I thought that the well, I don't know. I'm really opening up a can of worms. Um, Do it. Like a lot happened. Mm-hmm. A lot happened, but I found it like boring. Like it was a little slow for me. It was like everything you said happened. But it was like, you know, we've talked about this with JJK, like the interactions between the characters didn't happen. So there was like a lot happening, but I wanted to get attached to these characters more. And so I just, I f- did not feel as attached to them. Um, it, on the other hand, because I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of the road here, it was stupidly beautiful, stupidly great animation. Like, it's just like for the animation alone, it's worth seeing. Um, I just thought like, I'd seen it before. I didn't feel as attached to the characters. Was it the worst Miyazaki movie? By no means. By no means. But was it the best? I definitely did. I I didn't think so. And I said this to my boyfriend, but he didn't agree with me. I thought it was kind of like the cat returns, but then they like took their, like, it was like, it had a lot of the cat returns elements to it, but it made it, it twisted it in its own way, which I love the cat returns by the way. But, um, well, it's funny because yeah. I was thinking that my 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 uh, before the movie even got to the halfway point, I was like, "Oh, this is like a spiritual sequel to Spirited Away. This is like a yeah. this is like a tonally 
um, I don't want to be super reductive because it's 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 not really about gender, but because of 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 how different Mahito is from um, Chihiro. It is almost like the introverted twelve year old boy version of Spirited Away in a lot of ways, um, on like an emotional level. But the the Cat Returns comparison is great because that's also um, a great film. So, all right. So I want to hear like from you two. What was the overall thoughts? And then I, I can go last because I kind of already talked, so. <laughs> You're both quiet. I was like, uh, We're trying to decide who gets to lead. I was gonna, I don't want to, I because I, I will say um, this is easily Miyazaki's most um, abstract. And even though a lot of the um, kind of allegorical elements, I think are fairly obvious if you know anything about Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki's life and his relationships with his son and um, Is, uh, Isao Takahata. Um, I think that uh, the the actual kind of holistic narrative package of the film is probably the most um, uh, yeah, just abstract thing that he's ever made. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, I don't want to necessarily go in uh, telling Lindsay that she's wrong because I think so much of how you feel about this movie is going to um, kind of fall on whether or not its vibe hits your wavelength. It's not like Kiki's Delivery Service or My Neighbor Totoro where the characters in the story are so easily, um, not just grasped, but so easy to kind of connect to that you know it's it's kind of difficult to um to say that it fails at anything it tries to do but with this movie because it is very much the work of a man that is going through some stuff emotionally and trying to put that down onto the screen um it, like when when Lindsay told me she didn't like it i i like she said i, I have almost the opposite opinion i think it might be his second the second best film that he's ever made but um, I also think that it is by no means going to be the movie that the most people like, uh, for very okay. understandable reasons. Wait, no, wait, okay, okay, okay. Wait, I'll save my wait. I'm now holding my go. piece. I'm holding my piece. First off, I know James doesn't mean it this way at all, but I just want to say that I almost dislike the fact that most people won't dislike it because it makes me feel like I have a populist view and I never have the populist view. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm saying I think this movie is going to be divisive in yes. a way that most Miyazaki movies aren't. Not necessarily that it's going to be like super, super one way or the other. But I think that um, if anything, I think it's almost going to be like Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. Where that's, that, that to me is far and away Miyazaki's worst film. Um, which isn't to say that it's bad, but it's, it is, I think, easily his least good movie. <laughs> oh my and, God, you all but... are shaking me up right now. Okay, you know what? That's actually I have I have a close friend who saw this movie even before I did, and I spoke with them about um, about this movie, and they told me they were like, eh, you know, they didn't really care for it. And we started talking about other Miyazaki movies, and they said they also didn't like Howl's Moving Castle at all. So when I went to go see this, it was like that person's probably wrong. I'm probably not going to agree with them just based <laughs> on their Howl's Moving Castle take. So that actually surprised me i'd like hell's moving castle quite a bit okay um, i want to clarify because i i just did a full ghibli rewatch over the last uh, year so okay. my, my feelings about the movies are pretty fresh and for a long time i was actually a howl defender 
Yeah. Um, I really, I, I, I had really strong memories of enjoying the movie. On the yeah. most recent rewatch, which was probably back in maybe January or February, what I realized, at least at this stage in my life, is that I think the first half of Howl's Moving Castle is among the best work that Miyazaki's ever done. The movie completely loses me almost in the second half is the problem. Okay. Where the minute it starts turning into this messy war uh, commentary... I think it, it really loses track of the plot and the characters. And I, the reason I made the comparison is I think similar to how I know a lot of people who will, you know, defend Howl's Moving Castle as one of Miyazaki's best movies, yeah. which to me, it, it, it just isn't. And so I think it's similar that that's also a movie where Miyazaki's working through some stuff with that yeah. movie. And regardless of whether or not his working through that stuff necessarily leads to a more cohesive film, he's he's kind of going for it and for some people the vibe of howls just works so well that the, the it sells the movie and i think that this is going to be similar where the vibe of the boy and the heron the tone of it um especially the way that mahito's character kind of fits into it mm-hmm. i i think it's going to be one of those things where even if you really appreciate the artistry and the production values and all that stuff um I wasn't saying by any means that like this is, you know, only like only the elite few are going to get this movie. I think it's <laughs> right. much more this is going to be one of those movies where it either hits you like a ton of bricks or it leaves you feeling a little cold okay. or maybe a lot cold, depending on, on where you're at. So I wanted to add. So this is my my major issue with the movie. and It does actually bounce off what Jackie said. So I do feel slightly seen at least that Jackie had a, a similar come away from it as I did. Also, if we're going to do hot takes, I think Spirit Away is too long. So let I'll just get that out there so you guys can judge me on that. See people judging James for his Howl's thing and let you know I think Spirit Away is too long and I get kind of bored in the middle of it. Okay, so... Oh, oh, we can't get into this because my first question is like, but what would you cut, Lindsay? What would you cut? What would you cut? I'd have to like go back through it, but there, there are some things, I think. Okay, but with my... Major problem, and to me this is sort of like the biggest problem, is that there there are there are a lot of really good emotional beats to this film, or I should say potential for really big emotional beats to this film. Okay, like through the skimming of the plot, I mean we've got again a boy on the cusp of adolescence. That's already hard. That's already really hard. His mother just died violently uh, while living during wartime. Super duper hard. His dad seems pretty cool with the new development of just marrying her sister, which yeah, is that hard. came out of nowhere. I totally agree with you. Like when I think you even told me that, and I yeah. forgot. And then yeah. when I watched in the theaters, it still did married not her right. aunt. She's pregnant, so he's expecting a new sibling. That's a huge change. And he's moved out from the city to the countryside and has a whole new like social group. He's, like that is this like the concoction for a huge sort of blow up moment. We never get it. And I'm so mad because there were so many, so much in there. I just needed to see this kid cry once. I mean, I sound like the evil stepmother in this, like, why isn't he crying? But I mean, I I couldn't. Um, I could was rather it. emotionless. He but maybe was. that was his personality. I don't know. I mean, like, which is James... supposed to be Miyazaki's personality, which, okay, fair. I mean, if you have paid attention to the guy at all, like, it's not surprising at all. And Suzuki said, even in the interview, that Miyazaki was 
a like kind of closed off, very introverted kid at that age who didn't had problems communing, communicating with people and preferred to draw. And I mean, and he and to be fair, he does cry when he's reading How Do You Live? He is. Yeah, he does cry. And I do wonder if that part might be lost a little more on American audiences because we just aren't raised on that book as far as like, yeah. I mean, if the equivalent for us is if he had been reading like Where the Red Fern Grows and then he yeah. starts crying. Like, you're like, yeah, like okay. the Rye or something. Yeah. Like you know, just one out. of those one of those like books you read that are supposed to kind of teach you some emotional things and you read them in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Or yeah. Something. Honestly, but, James made a really good point. Lindsay, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. I can okay. bring it up after. Oh, I just, um, yeah. Go ahead with the point. It's fine. It was just that I forgot what he said exactly, but you said like the spirited away protagonist um, was just had a different personality than this. Yeah. protagonist, And I did not look at it like that. To be honest, I, I kind of agreed with Lindsay. Like I was just like, okay, like I'm, waiting for some emotional depth some sort of reaction like even get angry yeah like, your mom yeah, even get angry even get angry yeah. at your dad or get angry yeah. at he bashed his own skull in with a rock he hit himself with a rock very early in the morning or in the morning in the movie yeah which that's that's true he does and he has a permanent scar from it and becomes a it becomes like an emotional point later the fact that he has the scar and everything but um you know, and that was out of anger, and also it was to get you know, kind of getting giving him some control over the situation by getting him out of school. But it just like wasn't and that wasn't enough for me. Like at first, yeah. when I saw like when he did that, I gasped audibly in the theater. I know it is very early on. Like, you know, he, ble he bleeds of, a lot. Yeah, he bleeds a lot. Like this isn't just like some nick on the head or anything. Yeah. So this, but he kind of accepts the magical shit happening around him without without a lot of interrogation without any like i would have been like there is a heron talking to me i'm in a magical tower i'm talking to my mom in fire form like i i understand he is more of an introverted personality like and i think james brought it like bringing up that point that really made me see it from a different perspective i was like okay well yeah actually this just this kid has a very different personality mm -hmm. um than what i have or what what like you know other protagonists have like so like yeah. try to see it through a different lens right but like i'm i do agree Lindsay. like there was just like no shock factor at all the extremely weird effed up stuff happening to him the parakeets like the Which, like, like, this, this might sound like I'm like kind of jabbing at like a, a magical like a fairy tale too much right yeah. like I mean it's not like Snow White freaks out much when she meets the dwarves in the middle of the forest or anything yeah. right so I mean there is there is that and I've watched films like Angel's Egg where they don't tell you anything what's going on and everyone just sort of accepts the fact that there's weird fishermen shadows fighting you know, fish in the sky and stuff. And it's just sort of accepted. But so I don't know if part of it was a perspective problem because you start in this sort of more grounded historical setting and then it moves into something almost completely fantastical. And he, never, he doesn't really have that fish out of water. I mean, he's curious in so much, but things move so quickly too. So like he's... Yeah. I was... Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, I know. I'm kind of like thinking my thought as I say it, but it's just, I don't know. I, I couldn't connect to the film because I couldn't connect to Mojito. And that's what made it really difficult. And even getting the fact that it was an allegory about, initially I thought this was about Miyazaki and his son Goro. 
But that would mean Miyazaki cared enough about Goro to like make a film about him, which is a which like, he does not. I, I, I think it still is. I actually have I have some thoughts on that because I think that for as much as this definitely is in a lot of ways a, a biographical film. I mean, obviously Miyazaki never lost his mother, uh, yeah. which is a very big difference, I think. Um, but I he's think still the, married and, too, as far as we know. Like he's yes. married to the same lady for a really yes. long time. Yeah. Um, but the ending, I honestly thought was almost. To me, the the movie, the ending of the film, especially, almost felt like Miyazaki doing his trying to like understand Goro and trying to even communicate. Okay, I may not have any respect for what you do as a creator because you're bad at it, but as a person, I want you to be able to to live your life and let go of this. Like, I want, I want, I because you talked about how you didn't like. Um, I think this on, on Discord you mentioned you or on Twitter you didn't like the ending, the very abrupt, you know. And then we went back to Tokyo. Yeah, I didn't really care for that. Yeah. To me, I I loved that. That that um that was one of the moments where I like, I didn't gasp, but it was one of those like, yes, that's exactly how it should end. <laughs> because uh, to me, it almost felt like Miyazaki saying, um, like I made the choice to dedicate my entire life to this crumbling house of sand that's that's almost certainly going to to die when i die yeah and um there are going to be people that try to 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 force you into this role you know where he's almost like transitioning from the mahito role to the uh the grand uncle role that mm -hmm. is, is in a lot of ways allegorical for takahata because takahata is the one that brought miyazaki into into the world you know his mentor that that kind of um helped him established this entire company and, and really gave him the opportunities back when they were working at, um, at Toei and stuff, working on Lupin. Yeah. And, um, Suzuki said as much too, that grand uncle is, is yeah. Takahata. Yeah. And to me, the ending where, you know, um, Mahito is, it doesn't seem to be a very imaginative person. <laughs> he doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be a very creative person. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he does care deeply and passionately about his family and about, you know, about, living up to the expectations that he's kind of set for himself, which right. again, I don't know Goro's heart. I don't know Miyazaki's heart. Um, but I could absolutely see the ending being like, look, if you refuse to keep this place alive and you let this place Ghibli, this legacy that I built crumble into dust, that's okay. Like you, you deserve to just live your life and to go find your friends and to go, go back to Tokyo and if all of this that we've been doing for the past 70 years just ends up being a dream that everyone ends up forgetting, then fine. But don't feel like, you know, don't feel like it is your responsibility to uh, to hold up this legacy just because you're my son. I, I um, felt that message as well. I felt like that by the end of it, that's really deeply what I thought the film was about, was about legacy. And I thought the fact that even the granduncle is building with these sort of childlike building blocks, and I don't know how many people know this but like goro went to school to be an architect yeah so the fact that he's playing with those pieces to build a house and then he takes one and goes back with him that's um so i can definitely see how like people pull the the sort of goro message as well as you know the the miyazaki takahata message um i did think it you know I would definitely felt grief when everything started crumbling around them because at that point I was like, Oh, that's studio Ghibli yeah. <laughs> just falling around us, you know, cause he's at the edge of death. Like that, that part did the, get the me. kingdom of dreams and madness is, yeah, is, is falling apart at the seams. Right. Um, so I did think that part 
was was good. I thought some of the magic mumbo jumbo in the middle was kind of like throwing um, ideas at the wall. Like he doesn't have time to explain all of it, which is fine because we usually get on this podcast and say people over explain the mechanics of things anyway. But you know, we have we have baby souls and we have fishing. You know, that love kind of the stuff. baby souls though. They They're are really so cute. cute. They are really cute. He is very good at designing small, cute little round things in his <laughs> movies, right? Um, Cut Mononoke, you got Totoro, you you have um, the boy and the heron. So, I mean, we had that going on. There is just birds in general. Like, there's a lot of people joking around online how this movie is really just Hyao Miyazaki's I Hate Birds. I know, a lot of of bird murder. A lot of bird birds, yeah. You know, um, people have, if we wanted to, like, talk about what we got out of in particular scene, uh, in, yeah, scenes, like, I guess we could start with, say, the pelicans. What's up with the pelicans, guys? The pelicans that couldn't go through the gate. And then they were trying to eat him, though, weren't they? Weren't they trying to eat Mahito? Uh, no, not necessarily. Yeah, they were. Um... No, no, James, they definitely said they were trying were to they? eat Because yeah, I... Then Kiriko was like, they tried to eat you, but you had this. I think it was. Right, the he had the feather. feather. He had the feather from yeah. the feather. The pelicans yeah. really confused me. I mean, like. Just to say, like, I do agree with everything that we're saying about the Miyazaki empire coming to an end. Like, that was super, like, it's tragic. Everything y'all are saying, like, I echo 100%. But, like, I, for someone who is not that familiar with all that, I feel like it's kind of, like, like, take that out of it. And you're, you're, like, it's just this very magical world without a lot of depth. And I feel like I'm hating on this movie a lot because... Um, I actually really didn't think it was that bad. Like, I'm just, we're being really nitpicky here. I just felt like we have seen other Miyazaki stories in the past, like create a magical world with a lot more depth, with more relatable characters. And for this to be the last one, I get, I think it was just like, it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, you, you beep the the bed here. You know, like yeah, it wasn't yeah. bad. It just wasn't like, the best one I, I it wasn't the best one in my opinion and the great thing about Miyazaki is that like I bet our top five lists are all completely different or maybe you know what I mean there's no yeah. way they're identical right and that's like yeah. the beauty of Miyazaki but I ever I just wanted to say like I agree with that the empire crumbling being like very powerful but I just don't know that's like kind of inside baseball and if you don't know that you're kind of like okay there's birds and there's pelicans and there's these dead shadow people and there's floating baby spirits and there's a crazy old man with murderous pair like it's just like doors that let you travel through time yeah like a lot and it's cool it's don't get like all of it was pretty cool but it was just kind of like a lot i think and so it just ended up being kind of like not having the depth that i i wanted so yeah i just wanted to say i agreed with y'all were saying basically yeah yeah um i did james what did you get anything particular out of the like the bird motif in general do you think it's i'm i'm in between like i don't think he necessarily hates birds i just think maybe something something sparked him with birds and so it ended up being a major motif i don't think it's necessarily like birds represents x but no and i i mean i don't know if there are like certain cultural connotations that yeah maybe come with these birds for like Japanese viewers that would maybe not translate. Um, I mean, we know the heron as far as like, that's a specific, but that's a specific heron. It's not a blue heron is often like used in Japanese classical art. 
yeah. and as um, a, yeah. uh, like a national bird, but. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I, I, I don't know if I could tell you immediately if there's any like particular symbolic rele- relevance to like birds versus literally any other thing he could have picked. Yeah. Um, maybe Takahata really liked birds. And yeah, the idea awesome. was, oh, like if Takahata was, if, if Takahata ever made a world, you know, uh, a magical world, he'd probably fill it with a lot of birds, right? Um, okay. Maybe maybe that, or, yeah. you know, um, it could be that he's kind of operating on like the David Lynch school of, well, it felt right in the moment and I'm just gonna run with it and see where it takes me. It's um, true. There, I mean, there's also, I guess there's the part where the pelicans, I think it was, say that um, they're actually starving to death. Yeah, they got trapped there. They've been they trying trapped. to find a way out, and the only thing they can eat is the wada wada, the little baby souls. Yeah. What's up with There's a lot wanna... going on. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on. And, I mean, I guess when I was thinking about it in terms of elements that go into creativity, especially within the film industry, since that's sort of an overlying thing. I don't necessarily have like a what's up with the pelicans. I did get the distinct feeling with the parakeets, which they don't appear until pretty much the last act of the film is this parakeet society. And they all, they kind of do everything you'd expect to see in a human society, only they're parakeets. And they have a king parakeet and there's maybe a whole parakeet country that's settled here and they're I think parakeets got in randomly the same way that pelicans did. Like they're not natural denizens of the world, but they are like, um, you know, when you take a a creature from one environment and they get an invasive species, invasive species of of the world of death sort of situation, but they have a, they have a King. They even have a flag and everything. If you, if you look at the details and in the climax of the movie, grand uncle Mahito are having the conversation about legacy and what he's going to do and, how he wants him to take over and how, you know, all those other sorts of things. And then the uh, King Parakeet kind of just shows up and messes with the pieces and yeah. screws everything up. It was kind of anticlimactic when it happened. I can tell Jackie's face. From? So yeah, and meta- I agree. Metaphorically, yeah. I, I don't know why parakeets, but I think as far as like the allegory of the creative, right? They're obviously... You, they're, they're, I mean, the advertisers? Well, they're the, the advertisers and they're the they're the masses. They're the people that say, yes. oh, we want it this way or we want this or I thought that um, too. We want the next movie to be about this. And it's like they're the ones that ruin everything, right? Miyazaki. Yeah. It was Miyazaki being a little bit cynical, way. right? Yeah. Yes. These are just these are the consumers that come in and try and mess with my creativity, tell me how but I But then when they actually it. try to make something, they ruin everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the end of the movie at that point. Um yeah. But that was the same takeaway that, that I had is that these yeah, maybe that, he chose parakeets because parakeets are stupid. Are they as far yeah. as birds go? Are they no, just bird, not... I mean birds are birds are pretty dumb. So I feel like you know yeah, what? Parak- for, parakeets um, are stupid. Yeah, for birds. the villain too, like just thinking about how horrific um the heron even looked at times, yeah. right? And like even the the dying pelican, like I was like, this is like the stuff of nightmares. And then the parakeets were like so cute, yeah, and wholesome looking, and then they were just like carrying these like knives and yeah i was like what is up right now like we've seen some really like horrific villains from Miyazaki, so i just thought it yeah. was kind of funny that it was just these like very cheerful bright parakeets um and i agree with you Lindsay. like i was like where is this king from like literally yeah. dropped out of nowhere the parakeet king and then yeah. like he was the one to mess up the 
the like Jenga game. I don't even know what was going on there. And I was like, that's such a cop out ending. Like, let him let let Mojito swipe away the 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 I don't know whatever the Jenga yeah. set or whatever or like let I, I don't know I just didn't really like that but I again this is this is me being super nitpicky I just thought like that care I would have loved to just seen a little bit more why was I understand the king did not want to see his world end right sure, right like, you understand the motive. But I, I guess it just because there were so many elements going on. Like I was just like, oh my god, there's like a parakeet king. Like what's happening? Yeah, oh. yeah. In the yeah, English I, dub, he's voiced by Dave Bautista, which was pretty lovely. Oh my gosh, how fun! See, it's so interesting. The sub was amazing. Yeah, I would love to see it dubbed. Yeah, too. you know what I mean. So well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another one part of the movie that did confuse me. Like this is something I specifically like I've been thinking about and I can't reconcile it. And I've asked some people on discord and they gave me kind of an answer, but it, I don't know that it's necessarily like definitive. What? Um, so this is a two parter. Um, one did, why did the ant go into the tower in the first place? Or was that even her? And then part two, why do you think the ant when he finally finds her tells him that she hates him? Do you think that was just an like, that was just something mojito like my my thought is like that's not really her and everything she says to him in that moment is reflective of mojito's own feelings of what he assumes how he assumes she feels about him no that's i think that's I think. I think that's I think that's definitely her i think you do think it's her okay yes. yeah i think so only... you think she truly hates him no no okay. i think i think she is angry at what he represents to her which is her dead sister Okay. And the fact that she feels like a failure as a mother, mm -hmm. that she's letting her family down. I think so here. So my wife and I are talking about this because the movie doesn't really spell out why Natsuko went there. Um, yeah. Although it's implied that both Natsuko and the teenage version of his mother were maybe drawn there by the great granduncle in order to lure Mahito okay. um, to provide, to give him motivation to come to the world and, and um, uh, convince him to take over. Um, mm -hmm. Or, it, I mean, there's also just the fact that um, this family seems to be aware of their connection to this ma mystical kind of magical place. And um, we already know that Natsuko, the aunt stepmother, was feeling very upset about the fact that she was not receiving the acceptance from Mahito that she was really fighting for. And that that meant that she was not only failing her her new son and her husband but also her recently deceased sister who she clearly is is mourning um and so i you could also interpret it as she went to the tower as a kind of escape um mm -hmm. because she didn't want to face the real world she wanted to be with her sister again she wanted to be i imagine maybe the heron went and said hey do you want to see your sister like she's just here oh. in this tower right um, and so I, when she said she hates him, I, I don't think she really does, but I think she, she is, I think she was trying to, um, you know, I think if we strip away the, the, the Ghibli studios allegory, mm -hmm. I think a big, you know, if we look at it just on the surface level, what does this tower mean to Makito? Well, I think for all of the people here, it represents an opportunity to avoid 
the, the the harsh realities of life, right? It's a very kind yeah. of Evangelion kind of, uh, you know, this is like a dream world where anything is possible. You you don't have to grow old. You don't have to worry about dying. You can just uh, make your little worlds forever. But at the end of the movie, every single character eventually, except for the great grand uncle, uh, chooses to return to the real world where, you know, um, Natsuko is going to have to, be in this kind of messy situation she's pregnant right which uh, i hear is is not very fun uh, on it's a physical level um no. mahito has to go back to school and deal with people and you know deal with the fact that his mother is gone um and even um himi um his mom uh she goes back to her world um granted she kind of has to because the, the castle is coming but she's she's happy to um she's happy to go back knowing that she's going to die yeah. Knowing that she won't get to see her son grow up, but she has that moment where she's like, I, I hope you know what a wonderful boy that you've grown into and that I'm very proud of you. And so I think on a, I think for all of the characters, they were all in their way, not wanting to face the grief and the hardships and the, the, the things that were waiting for them. But by the end of the movie, they decided that they, they kind of had to. So, I think that's a valid interpretation. I do want to introduce something... This is, again, a conversation I had with my friend beforehand because I spoke with them about the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think it's an you know, allegory about legacy and his in, you know, the industry issues and whatnot. Um, and again, they didn't really care for the film either and said that, you know, a lot of stuff in this movie isn't textual. And is it possible that even us here are kind of um, plate like we're filling in? Are we filling in blanks that weren't adequately portrayed in the film itself which i get and also when i talked to my husband about it because he saw this movie with me as well he um i explained that idea to him and he said well does, does that just mean this is a critics film like a movie for critics as opposed to being for wide audiences because good point i mean so you know what's crazy is like dustin and i were talking i feel like Every review I've seen, Lindsay, I forwarded you reviews. I was like, dude, yeah. everyone's loving this. Cause Lindsay was like, Lindsay I was, was a like, hater from day one guys. Yeah, she was like, I'm mad on this one. And I was like, oh, okay. And then yeah. I kept forwarding her reviews and I was like, Lindsay, like everyone's loving this. Um, this is kind of what I was talking about with that ending being like inside baseball, like people who are fans of Miyazaki film critics, like they understand like this whole empire, the studio coming to an end because my sister and I were talking later and then we we started chatting about that. But she was like, I had no idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she was like, I didn't know that was a thing. And so it's like, for her, she was like, she told me, she was like, go rent it, don't see it in theaters. You know what I mean? Oh, and really? She, she said that it was beautiful and like, you know, everything that we've been saying, like the little, little balloon, white floaty things were cute, the little baby souls. I don't even know. I forgot their name, but they're like, hara, hara. Wari, yeah. That's it, okay. Um, and you know, like there's some really like great, beautiful elements to it, but it lacks like the heart of ones that I've seen in the past, you know? So, um, I don't, I think that there was a lot of like hidden Miyazaki meanings in this, like things that he, like, you know, you, you guys were talking at length about like, this was uh, a message for his grandson and I'm maybe low key for his son as well. And, and him talking about like his whole empire, you know, being in flux. I, I don't know. Like, I, I agree with that. Um, 
it is kind of it, so you saying it's a critics movie it made me think like oh that like, i lit up right because i yeah. was like, yeah because it's like people who understand miyazaki and know all the inside baseball and all this stuff like then to them it like like james you were talking about and i could see like the emotion in you you were like how can you see this like empire like and i'm like yeah you're right but it's just like when you, it's like my sister and she she's a fan of miyazaki movies casually but she doesn't know that he's an a-hole has a really <laughs> bad relationship with his son you know um like tons of things that we could talk about like emotional uh undertones there you know what i mean so it's like you know that though james right so right. to see him kind of offer this is like this like little it's kind of like a, a i don't want to say a peace treaty but you can tell he's kind of like it's definitely a softer side of miyazaki like it's him being like this is all gonna go and like it's and like I want you all to just be happy with whatever you decide. I even low key think it is a little bit aimed at his son because his mm -hmm. son gets like all this hate from like him and I think others critiquing him for not being as great as his dad. And it it, it was low key for him too to be like, hey, like you just go and do your thing now. Like all of yeah. you just go and do your own thing. My grandson, mm -hmm. my son, like everybody, right? Yeah. So, and to be clear, he, he should listen to that advice because his movies are terrible. Oh my God. Okay. Um. So anyway, but yeah. So I do think like, you know, you bringing that up, like it's like you can see with James, who is a critic and reviewer, like how much it resonated with him. And then I think about my sister and she was kind of like, oh, you know, that makes it really cool. But like, I didn't, know that you yeah. know what i mean sure sure, sure. i don't know i mean i guess it's it's a little impossible for me to imagine what it would be like to see the movie without any of that context just because it's been such an important part of my life for so long yeah i guess i don't know if i would say i don't know if it's any more of a critics movie than maybe like the wind rises was mm -hmm. where it's you know intentionally kind of challenging doesn't really necessarily cater to the expectations of like a mass audience, right? It's not really yeah. out to make money. Yeah. Um, so I, I maybe, I think maybe the way I would describe it, maybe less of a critics movie because I I don't think Miyazaki gives a gives a crap what any critics. Oh yeah, sure. That's I don't I don't think, think he has yeah. any any pre like I don't think he cares at all. Um, but I do think that Jackie's right in that I think this movie doesn't really care if it has a wide audience. Um, I don't think it is trying to be a crowd pleaser in the way that Totoro or Cagliostro or Kiki or or even Spirited Away was. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is absolutely Miyazaki saying, uh, this could be my last chance on earth to make anything. Mm -hmm. And um, what 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 is the thing that I need to say? Uh, sure. Or what are what are the what are the the emotions that I need to put on the screen, even if those emotions are very um idiosyncratic and difficult and maybe not even fully resolved or uh, communicated in a way that makes sense to anyone that isn't me. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like he also had the opportunity here. And I mean, again, like you said earlier, don't know Miyazaki's heart. Um, but I feel like this was a real opportunity for him to be vulnerable through this character in ways that he hasn't been with other characters. And this, this kind of goes back to a lot of Miyazaki's films, actually. I do think his character's emotions, especially for movies that aren't based on books, um, can be fairly subdued compared to what you expect out of like a film experience. A lot of the time you, you kind of expect the characters to have more heightened emotions and reactions because this is supposed to be a story that's really like hammering. So like, I don't think Mahito 
and Ashitaka are necessarily that different. I no. mean, they, they, they aren't the same character, but it, it's a type that he has, especially with male characters over female mm -hmm. characters. Um, Chihiro was allowed to, you know, like be scared and um, really worry about her parents and show like struggling to complete tasks in her new environment, all those other sorts of things. Both Ashitaka and Mahito have this thing where they're just kind of, um, they can kind of just roll with it. They're very adaptable. They kind of accept things as they come, uh, make typically the best choice that they can in the moment. Like, I don't recall Mahito ever doing anything during the film where I was like, that's, let's see how that works out for him sort of thing. I mean, he has a slight mischievous side, like when he steals the cigarettes to... Yeah to get things, you know, like he'll, he'll, he'll engage in a little bit of underhanded methods. If he needs something, he's not above that, but he doesn't really mess up as much as you would expect. And again, I guess my main complaint still comes back to like everything laid out at the beginning of this film is like ripe for huge family drama or emotional reactions based on that. Like, I don't know, I guess I found his circumstances so chaotic just within his home life that it's hard for me to imagine a kid keeping it together under half of those terms. And so because I didn't get some kind of emotional denouement of, of what he's holding all in at any point, that that's what I felt was truly like missing from it. And I mean, some of that may exist visually instead as opposed to textually, but I, I kind of needed that, I guess, to really, to really hook me into the character's journey. And because I didn't get it, I wasn't able to connect with him. And maybe that was kind of what Jackie was speaking of earlier. I just wasn't able to connect with him in the same way as I had other characters who had been more vulnerable in that way. Um, again, like Miyazaki is well known for being a curmudgeon <laughs> point doesn't like, you know, in general, um, kind of seems like a guy who'd like to make his movies, but have everyone leave him alone otherwise. And unfortunately you cannot be a top tier director and not have people poking at you all the time. But, um, yeah, I just, I kind of just would have liked to see that that's, but before this is kind of retreading old ground, I do want to talk about my favorite bit of animation in the film, maybe we can each talk about like what our favorite little bit of animation was. Mine is actually pretty simple. And it's the first time he follows the heron to the tower, the heron flies to this sort of chimney-like thing. And then he goes in the window upside down. Yeah. And flips around. I loved it. Like it was yeah. just, it's this very small moment, but that was one of the times where I was like, that's, this is a Ghibli film. And these little animation quirks, they have the time to do them and they're so delightful when they do. That, that's before we even get into any of the magic stuff. I just liked the Heron as a character and how he moved and stuff while he was in bird form and the little oh, yeah. mischief crap he got up to. Um, I was listening to a podcast just uh, the other day on The Boy and the Heron. And one of the guests was, um, you know, he'd been doing a bunch of research and reading all these interviews. And he brought up a point that I hadn't thought about that I that really explained a lot of um, some of the, the visual elements that I found so interesting, um, like the dreams where he's yeah. kind of reliving his mother's death were um, very atypically for a Miyazaki film. It, it almost felt much more like a Takahata movie 
yeah. um, where the, the background characters and the environment um, becomes very uh, watercolor and warped and impressionistic. Yeah. And he was talking about how uh, one of the interesting things about this film, because it took seven years to make, yeah, uh, almost a decade. And, uh, you know, with Ghibli being in the state that it's been in, there was a lot of uncertainty as to whether or not it would ever um, uh -huh. get made. Yeah. And um, you'll have to forgive me, chat, because the names of some of the, the key animators and, and character designers that were working on this particular film, um, I don't have right in front of me. But um, I know which one you're going to talk about, though, so I can maybe help you. Uh, well, so the the. For instance, um, what I find so interesting is he's Miyazaki's 83, right? He's mm -hmm. um, in his, or 81, 83? 82. He's in his, he's in his 80s, right? He's yeah, in his yeah. 80s. Um, he was in his 70s when the movie started production. Mm -hmm. And um, he's so famous for being such an exacting, controlling perfectionist, where, you know, um, very much like uh, mm -hmm. we saw in some of the behind the scenes stuff with Evangelion and Hideaki Anno, yeah. um, Miyazaki will just straight up take the keyframes that other people have been working on and redo them himself. Yeah. Um, and he will, he will hand draw, you know, the most minute corrections to background work and, and all this stuff, but he can't do that anymore because he's so old mm. and, you know, he, he doesn't have the physical capacity to, you know, to draw some of those super minute, um, really, really detailed um, keyframes and, yeah. and background art corrections. And so this movie much more than a lot of previous films the junior animation staff, the the people that he would, that most directors would delegate work to, actually were able to be delegated to, which led to a style in the film that I think is a lot more eclectic mm -hmm. than something like Spirited Away or Mononoke, where you get scenes like in that opening when um, the panic of the firebombing is taking over and um, Mahito's world becomes like this living nightmare. Yeah. That I don't think I've ever seen in a Ghibli, in a Miyazaki film. And that's one that's really stuck with me. They also talked about how, um, because Miyazaki is so uh, prone to designing particular types of adult women, um, yeah. that um, the one of the, um, one of the uh, staff members, one of the, the crew basically said, no, I'm, I'm designing Natsuko. I'm, I'm designing this character like I'm taking over because you're just going to draw her with super big boobs and a super gruff voice and she's going to be like every mom character you've ever done and she needs oh. she needs to be something different yeah so um uh point being I really love the 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 kind of nightmare flashback scenes to his mother's death yeah um but I I thought it was so interesting that a lot of the standout animation moments in this movie don't even necessarily feel super Miyazaki-esque, okay. which I think lends to the movie's kind of interesting and, and unique qualities. I just want to chime in real quick that the the fire scene, that's uh, Takeshi Honda. So good. That's Takeshi Honda. He's also the character designer for the film, but in the animation director, you might know him from doing a lot of work on the Evangelion Rebuild films. Yes, mm. yeah, that's the one I was thinking. That part was really cool. Yeah, I'm I, for visual stuff that stuck out to me, I really love like all of the the nature, just like mm -hmm. outside of their home, and just like how quaint their home was because of the time. But I also really liked. Um, it was kind of this is so random, but it was like the great grand uncles like 
office area that yeah. was, but then it would like kind of turn it was partially space and then partially this like very bland just like pillars yeah, I don't know yeah. how was, like the contrast between them yeah I really, I really liked um honestly like that was my dad used to tell me like uh, during COVID he was like hey if I know you can't get out but even looking at the fo a photo of a beautiful landscape has like the same effects on your system as like mm -hmm. actually being there. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what, even just for relaxation, like this movie is just so fun to watch. It know? is. I would say there's no yeah. part that I found particularly, I mean, other than the fire scene and stuff in the beginning, really stressful. Um, I wanted real quick, since we got a super chat person, um, this is from, I apologize if I don't get your name correct, but I believe it's uh, Saqib Rafiq. Um, he said, I liked Mahito's darkness and her stoic nature. Most of all, I loved how the film was a vehicle for processing grief. When I learned it was self-funded, it made sense why it felt so unjibly. The production notes are fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. What, did you guys, what did you guys think of the yeah. music of the film? Because I... I love this soundtrack. I love I the love soundtrack it. a lot. Joe, he says she did a wonderful job. It's no wonder he's nominated for a Golden Globe, um, specifically for the score of this film. Um, I love the 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 track that has the uh, choir sort of section that they use mm -hmm. in the trailer. That's very like goosebump inducing. Sort it's of. like it's almost the, the whole soundtrack's almost gothic. It's almost yeah. It's, it's, it's very kind of spooky in part. Yeah, I really like that spooky part in there. Um, I also remember reading that one of the songs used, and I'd have to go look up which track it is, was specifically um, a song that Joe Hisaishi had made for Miyazaki as a gift. Oh, wow. Like, he just wrote it for him, and then Miyazaki came to him later when he was working on this movie and asked if he, they could use that song uh, in the film. So there was a bit of, like, Joe Hisaishi and, and Hyao Miyazaki's work relationship in the film through that through that which again well. i mean considering that this could very well be their final collaboration after decades and decades of work is, is pretty powerful yeah it's really interesting to know that it was self-funded i actually didn't know that but i mean like no wonder why they were having like parakeets and throwing <laughs> all this magic and pelicans and baby balloons like it's like no wonder why he was just like i'm just gonna throw everything i've ever thought of in my it. money i'm making my movie. that makes so much sense yeah. like now that we've said that yeah. um one other thing i gotta say i feel like <laughs> i just i wish this one was a little faster mm. i love the cat returns because it's like a minute or it's not a minute it's an hour like 30 maybe yeah. you know what i mean and like it's just such a like cozy, a 90 minute movie feel. and but i will say i don't know if miyazaki has ever made a movie other than castle of the Congo yeah. yes yeah you're right most of them are long yeah most of them and most of them have some intentional kind of lulls in yeah. the in the pacing yeah so it just was like a little long for me at points too but yeah Cagliostro is like almost perfectly edited though that movie's like an anime Mad Max in that it's just action beat action beat perfectly that movie's like a a, a watch or like a perfectly constructed machine um but it's also you know his first ever directorial effort and he probably didn't have the opportunity to be um self-indulgent yeah, yeah he wasn't yeah. yeah yeah um so I guess with that said 
we could really quickly speculate, okay, because this is nominated for the Golden Globe um, in animation, and a lot of times people look at the Golden Globes as sort of a precursor to the Oscars. I will be shocked if this doesn't get an Oscar nomination. It's just based on prestige, legacy, and quality alone. I mean, yeah. regardless of my issues with the narrative, I am not so deluded to think that like this won't get nominated for an Oscar. Um, for the Golden Globe, it is competing with, I wish we had a really convenient list on here. So Spider-Verse for sure. Uh, Spider-Verse, uh, Super Mario. Super Mario. Suzume by Makoto Shinkai is also not I think Suzume is better, but I don't know, since it's Miyazaki's potentially last one, I think that it'll probably win. Well, they said that about Wind Rises, though, and Wind Rises didn't win. And we thought that was his last movie for... What did, it what, did it what did it lose to? You're asking me specifics. I don't know off the top of my head uh, what it lost to that year. I'd have to go look it up. But as far as the other Golden Globe nominees, I think it's Elementals and yeah. it was Wish nominated. People have panned that movie, but I think those are the other That's two not nominated. No, I think um, I think it's probably going to be Mario, but not because it's a better I movie. I hated that movie. James, James, I'm being real with you. It's not because it's the better movie. If I an Illumination like movie, Mario. if an Illumination movie mm -hmm. beats out this film, I will never ever let it go. <laughs> I just need to. I now I will fully admit I haven't seen the Mario movie. I'm sure I'll. Get it's on Netflix it. now. Yeah, but there's like so many other things that I watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I have, I do, I do not like Illumination Studios. I don't mm -hmm. like their uh, house style. I don't like yeah, their writing. The um, okay, but we're talking about the the freaking Minions Studios <laughs> yeah, versus yeah. one of the 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 greatest yeah. living legends of of it. No, Illumination's made some okay stuff. Um, I'm okay. sure. I just have to think about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I who did who did never mind never mind that's a live action film what am I even about to say okay. this is something um, was was Pinocchio this year or was that last year oh Pinocchio, Pinocchio was, was good like, yeah I think that was last that was might that last be year? this year for Oscars but I feel like it was last year because okay. I remember it getting a nod and I remember Del Toro giving a speech yeah. so that's uh, right because he, he he gave his animation a cinema speech because on of of animated films I have seen recently. Mm -hmm. The only movie that I would personally say would, would even have any fair competition to it would maybe be Pinocchio. But I think that, that that's last year. Okay, It so was last year. Even... Everyone's saying it's last year. People that's are mentioning Spider-Verse, which to, I I don't think that one will get it. Not because it doesn't look great, but because it's a mid-quel. Yeah, it it's just not a complete not, story. It's not a complete so. story. It's gonna get I love that movie, but I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't give it it doesn't um, have a conclusion. It it Yeah. Yeah. Um so, yeah, that I can't, that was, I can't think. Of, I haven't seen Susan May. Everything I've heard, most people tell me it's not as good as Your Name, right? Generally, is the oh, consensus. Your Name is really like it's so the so with Makoto Shinkai. I feel like I hate comparing the movies. I think they're all like masterpieces in their own way, and I I know that sounds so cliche. And you probably say the same thing about Miyazaki movies, right? But it's like. I find your name and Susan May, though there are definitely similarities, like they're just different. Okay. I don't know. I your name is kind of like yet. a romance. Okay. And I know Susan May's like, like 
they ins- kind of insinuated, but Makoto Shinkai even said, like, he's like, I don't want this to be a love story. Like, yeah. they're friends. Like, they're cool, you know? It's and a so, disaster film. It's it's about processing the... the yeah, it's much heavier. Yeah. yeah. No, Your Name yeah. has heavy, too. I don't know. I just, like, yeah. I thought Suzume was okay, so I need good. to watch Suzume, which I believe is streaming on Crunchyroll now. I think they put it up there. So, so. I think it is streaming now. That's yeah, so I need to... I definitely need to see that one. Um, is the Dynasty... Is the uh, SSS... Dynasty, uh, Please, James. Uh, is that available yet? Is that eligible? Because no. that could maybe I could see that maybe squeezing in. No, um, no, okay. I well. don't. They're still holding that up somewhere. Same How much the- of Godzilla minus one is technically animated? Can we? <laughs> can we? Can we? I I was surprised that that didn't get any kind of mention um, since Aww. it opened at the same time as excuse me as Heron, but. Um, that didn't it's not getting any golden globes it doesn't mean it's out for the oscars though like there are other you know uh, that movie has such critical legs I, yeah I, it's got I could, yeah it's got a tail on it yeah so i i would be surprised if it doesn't get something um i did want to say on the shinkai part i liked weathering with you more than your name so i mean i'm okay. full of weird tales. i haven't seen that I, I haven't seen either of them um, i love i loved your name but Every other film I've seen of his almost makes my the reason I haven't because someone in the chat said, How have you not seen Suzume yet? Honestly, um, all the trailers make me think, Oh, um, I saw your name and that was pretty good. And so I don't Suzume's good, James. You'll yeah. like Suzume. I don't think it's gonna I be bad. Like it's just one of those things where every time I have the choice to watch like another thing, I'm like, Oh, I'll get to Suzume later once I'm yeah. in the mood to watch like your name again. We I probably both need to watch it before we do our year end picks for the year though, James, don't you think? Like, yeah, that's yeah, no, I yeah, I, I'm I trying to be better about it than I was this year. I know, I, was, I I've got some series I still I finished Finland saga, guys. <laughs> oh my so, gosh um, thoughts so oh i loved it i loved it so but fun. i need the next season because i need them to you know okay but it was the uh i i don't want to spoil too much from our ranking of all the different amazing things that happened in, in the seasons yeah. of anime this year but the um the i have no enemies moment was the, yeah, the, 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 was all so of the good. goosebumps yeah it did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Saga? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that part. Dude, where he's were like, we wrong about that scene where they're all all the bodies he's killed or clawing at him? That was like straight berserk. But and like, he was like talking to us a lot up there, and he's just like hanging out in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're just like clawing at him, and he's like, "I don't want to be like dragged down by this." And yeah, it's like it's like it's too late. It, like almost too. You feel like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, he finds a way to be. We won't spoil it. Go watch it. Yeah. How much yeah. of a good boy was his friend, though? I know. So precious. Yeah. I love yeah. that guy. The ultimate bro. Ultimate bro. And like the girl he had a crush, has a crush on her husband shows up. Sorry, I'm spoiling oh, everything man. I said. I wouldn't well, do I mean, yeah. And but, I mean, so nice. Like, yeah. Oh man, it was really hard though to actually watch the fall of um, Kettle because he starts out, you know, and kind of a he's a softy when he starts out, but he has a bad day. He has a couple bad days. 
That's it happens yeah. when you allow yourself to look at people as property. You yep. can flip on a dime. They really are. Oh, a good by the way, everybody. Lindsay, uh, speaking of shows that we need to fit in for the year end, do I need to fit Miggy and Dolly in? Is that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you guys, Miggy and Dolly, right? Okay. So Jackie got to talk about Kingdoms of Ruin at the beginning. Let me get, okay. let me get you, let me get you something completely different. Miggy and Dolly from the creator of, uh, haven't you heard I'm Sakamoto-kun, one of the funniest anime comedies ever. Um, this is weird. This show is weird. Jackie, you should watch it. Because okay. it, it is just bug nuts. Like what is this called? Migi and Dolly. That's their name. Dolly is D-A-L-I, like Salvador Dolly. Okay. And they're twins, right? And they're in an orphanage. Their mother has been murdered. She was murdered when they were a child. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. Yeah, one. and they want to find out who killed her. So um, they get adopted, but they're pretending to be one person. So there's like a secret twin, like living in the house the whole time. And they're like going back and forth, trying to find out who, in, you know, they get moved back into the neighborhood where they uh, used to live with their mother. And they're like, someone in this neighborhood killed our mom. And we're going to find out who it is. And there's a lot of like weird wackiness, but then it gets into the last third of it. And it just goes completely off the wall just nuts there is okay. more murder there is like more craziness there's it's yeah yeah they did yeah where is that airing i'll watch it it's i know it's a, it's a new crunchy roll. is it okay i'll watch it um i just caught up on freerun so there i feel like i'm kind of in a an anime lull right now so yeah. either of y'all anybody somebody i think they were teasing Oh, it was lost. Make Jackie watch the Garden of Words. Is that like really bad or something? No, it's a it's a Makoto Shinkai film about. Oh, is it okay? Never mind. About um, shoes, sort of. Why did you say that so ominously? It's about a Why? high. School, it's about a high school boy. Oh who, no! Who uh, wants to make shoes, and he's feeling real sad goes to a beautiful garden it's very like rainy garden aesthetic for a lot of it very green verdant yeah. and he meets a woman mm -hmm. there and he fixes her shoe for her and they kind of start a it doesn't get inappropriate but they're they oh, start foot stuff in it i mean i don't think there's any like massage okay there's no massage, but there's like, you know, the Cinderella sort of putting the shoe. Okay. Kind of stuff. So after the last boss queen, like they were straight up licking toes and stuff yeah. on that yeah. one. I was like, and I'm good on that for a yeah. while. No, um, I have that. And it's not very long because my Koto Shinkai films earlier ones are like kind of short, I think. Right. I don't know. So okay, yeah, it's more of aesthetic. It's more of aesthetic. Like I said, it doesn't go anywhere too inappropriate, but. You know what I need to finish? Does crush on her, you know. And I have not is Thunderbolt Fantasy. Yeah, if you can, I, if you can watch puppets, like if you can get down with the puppets. I was so down with the puppets. Everyone needs to be down with the puppets. I think I was like halfway through, and then I just kind of got pulled off. But like yeah. that is one that did you see the whole thing, Lindsay? I thought I haven't gonna... actually watched it. I couldn't. I couldn't get down. Oh, with you couldn't it. get past that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got. I didn't try very hard, though, to be honest. I got two episodes in, so I got to try. I don't know if I can get Dustin to watch it. I, mean, I love the puppet. I thought it was so fun. Yeah, I need. Um, now that I finished Finland Saga, I need to like wrap up Oshinoko, which I actually didn't finish. So that's like on my. It's a good, oh, yeah. really yeah. good. Yeah, I like. Yeah. I like the like. I liked it more towards the end, to be honest. I yeah, show very 
like it wasn't bad it was just like mid it wasn't yeah. right like i was like what's the to do obviously the beginning was very shocking right but then it right. was kind of like after that i was like okay but then i thought it, it it's a great commentary on social media and in the entertainment industry and influencers and like i'm just like you know this is a world i'm pretty acquainted with and so to have it being like called out and having like the discussions it was having like it, i think you'll really enjoy it People are saying overtake is actually really good because it deals with PTSD survivors, guilt from the from the earthquake, the tsunami. Overtake. Why does that sound familiar? It's, it's a, the racing anime. It's a racing yeah. anime on Crunchyroll. I don't watch any of it though. Yeah, the animation looked a little sketch, but um that's interesting to hear. Yeah, Pokemon J fan, or maybe it's Pope. Pokemon New Jersey fan. I don't know if you're being clever <laughs> there or not. Uh, they said episode nine is the best thing they've seen all season. So wow. okay. okay. Well, that's a four point eight on Crunchyroll, but then the Kingdoms of Ruin is a four point four. So I don't know what I trust anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, that probably wasn't as intense as everyone was hoping, but I think that about wraps up our is the boy in the hair and Miyazaki's worst film. No. Probably not. No. Probably not his worst film. Okay. No. It's just, it's, you know, it's just one of his best. It's one of his best films. It's going to work for you or it's not going to work for you. It didn't quite work for me. I enjoyed the spectacle of it. I enjoyed thinking about it. I just didn't get the emotional catharsis and, and release that I wanted. So, yeah. I thought it was, it was beautiful. I'm so happy I went and saw it in theaters. Yeah. And um, it was zany, you know, and it was completely off the wall. And I do think it was kind of interesting that it was, you know, it was like they had no restrictions. So they just like went all out. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that there were some some issues. Um, again, like for me, it was I, I want to see a little bit more interaction between the characters, a little more depth. I like the characters. I just wanted to see a little more depth with them. Um, and the, the ending did seem like a little rushed with the parakeet king just coming in and slapping the Jenga off. But I was like, I thought it was very fun. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was like, it's, it's like, if it's the last one, like it's, it's a great Miyazaki film. Like it's solid. I thought it was better than Ponyo. I never okay. got Ponyo. I never got Ponyo. That's fair. That's fair. People put Ponyo in their like top five. No, numbers. that's dumb. No, no, that is that is. That okay, is, thank you. I'm glad we're all in agreement. Yeah, we're all in agreement on Ponyo. Ponyo. <laughs> Ponyo was terrible. <laughs> I really. I, mean, I would not, not go that Ponyo. far. Ponyo is great if you're five. Okay, Ponyo right. was great if you're five. James, yeah. you were 100% right. Right, and that song, Ponyo, 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 she's in the sea. I don't know, I'm making it up. But it was something like that. But yeah. it was very catchy. But I was, I remember I watched it and I was just like, okay. Because like, the cat- not have anything for you, right? Yeah. Well, it's like the cat returns is, and this, even this one, well, this one had a little, like some very adult stuff, but the cat returns is like very much like a kitty movie you know like yeah. i wouldn't feel uncomfortable showing that to a kid like i'm trying to think if there's anything really bad but the king yeah. is a little the cat the cat king who was played by tim curry by the way oh yes <laughs> yeah um he was a little pervy at points but okay. he wasn't bad he just said like babe a lot you know yeah um, right. by the way carrie i don't never know how to say his last name but he's wesley from the princess bride he's baron Mary Ellis, yeah uh, yeah and hathaway's the main girl Mm -hmm. she must yeah, it's actually, give it a rewatch that one is yeah. a very underrated miyazaki film yeah well uh, ghibli not miyazaki 
Yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, my bad. My bad. Ghibli, Ghibli, Ghibli. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I didn't even think about that, right? Because like some of them, some of the Studio Ghibli's Miyazaki like had little to do with, right? Yeah, some mm-hmm. of those directors left immediately afterwards and then founded their own studios, like Studio Clock and yeah. James, I wonder why. Because he's a very nice individual, and he was ask Memoru Hosoda how he feels about his work at Ghibli. <laughs> like, oh there's yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. what yeah. we never got to our top fives, by the way, but it's okay. Oh, that's okay. Um, we'll put them. We can put them in the comments. Of the That'll video. start a whole debate. Yeah, yeah. You, you all tell us what your top five was. Though. Yeah, comment below with your top five Ghibli films. Your top oh, five music. Let us know yeah. what your take was from the movie. Did you enjoy it? Um, are you a hater like me? You know, let us know, and we'll see you guys again. Let's see. Are we going to be here next week? Or are we just doing the? Uh, yeah, we'll be here next Tuesday, six p.m. Pacific, nine p.m. Eastern, and then I believe the week after that we will be here on. Friday for the trailer watch party or watch you know party. what no Tuesday after that is like the day after Christmas so we're not there will be no direct post Christmas show I'm not making anyone do that okay and then I think Friday will be the trailer watch party so we will Heck see yeah. you guys then thanks for always uh, tuning in and we'll see you guys next time bye 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 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.